0: Okay, well uh, good morning everyone, how's everyone? Good, okay, great to see you back uh, Lydia, hope, hope you're feeling better. Um, Emma, great to see Emma. Um, brilliant, okay, so um, today our title is Access All Areas. Okay, oh sorry Sheila, sorry I, I, I will work my way around. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, Swinton. <laughs> Go you into all the world. Okay, yeah, so we're talking about today, uh, access all areas. Has, ever, has anybody ever had an access all areas pass to anything, like jump, jump the queue, uh, pass at a theme park, or behind the scenes at a band, or... No, me neither. <laughs> Okay, Um, so we're talking in the context of um, slowing down, and I want us to really uh, think of this aspect of um, slowing down as an opportunity to uh, go into places that we'd never thought we could go to. Okay, so let's talk about, let's put the first uh, Bible passage up, please. Okay, so can we turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4? Uh, the words are up on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your own Bible as well. So we've got uh, the woman at the well, a really famous um, story. Is everyone sort of quite familiar with it? When um, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at, at the well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, we've got before before that happens. Jesus is in um, Jerusalem um, and is making uh, disciples, which is a good thing, right? But what but the problem is, um, people observing that, think it's like um, a popularity contest between him and uh, um, John, which obviously isn't isn't actually what um, Jesus wanted. He was never setting out to be this Mr. Mr. Um, competition popular winner. Uh, Basically, his purpose was to die for the sins of the world. Yeah, It wasn't to be the most popular guy around. So basically, he had to leave uh, the scene. He he had to slow down. He had to leave where people were putting on all these um, expectations on him and stay um, faithful to what the Father had asked him to do, which was to be the saviour of the world, isn't it? I've got a map here uh, to show uh, the journey. So he had to go back to his homeland to kind of get out of the hype and all the um, hysteria around him. So this is a map of Israel back in the day, back in the first century. And uh, Jerusalem is in the orange section and he needed to go to the yellow section. And it was a journey of about 65 miles. So I wondered who who has uh, walked more than 10 miles in a single time? hands up. I know Irene's um, Irene's done a long, long walk, haven't you, for charity. How long was that? 26 miles. That's a a marathon. Can anybody beat that? No? Okay. And how did, well, I know how Irene um, looked at the end of that, because she she came home. (laughs) I don't want to go into too much detail. How did you feel um, afterwards? Sorry? Very tired. Is that a mild way of putting it? Okay. Right. Now imagine this. 40 miles was the journey from Jerusalem to the place where the story is. 40 miles over mountains, over deserts, and it was boiling hot. And the time when he arrived, it was at midday. So the heat was just crazy okay now i've been to places like um dubai in a similar sort of area and it is literally just like 40 celsius all through the day yeah and so i can imagine it being fairly similar there so you can imagine jesus was extremely hot extremely tired extremely thirsty okay so that's where we pick up the story can we go to the the first slide again please wealth Okay, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, um, Samaria was a very awkward place for um, a Jew to go to. Okay, there was this long history of animosity between the two peoples. Uh, Basically, they really hated each other. One thought that they were the true people of God, the other thought they were the true people of God. Sound familiar? It's been ever thus, hasn't it? Okay. And um, the Samaritans had this special place of worship called Mount um, Gerizim, okay, which we'll come to later. This was the place where they thought there was like God's holy presence, and the Israelites thought that um, Jerusalem was the special place. So this is the kind of scene. Now, um, John chapter 4. Okay, so he's gone to the town. Jacob's well was there. Now, Jacob obviously was the head of the 12 tribes of uh, Israel. Um, Is that right? Yeah? The father. Um, Jacob and um, Israel, uh, the same person. Um, So it it was like the understatement of the century here. Jesus, tired as he he, uh, was from the journey. So extremely tired. Can we go on to the next part of the passage, please? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And the disciples had gone into the town. They always seemed to go into the uh, town to to go and buy buy food. The Samaritan woman asked him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Now it says there, for Jews do not associate with um, Samaritans now a different interpretation of that is Jews do not eat, eat from the same things that the Samaritans eat from or can you imagine that not, not eating off the same um, uh, cutlery or something that um, someone ate off because you had a massive kind of um, religious problem with them that is pretty insulting isn't it, it's pretty hard yeah, it's horrible so um, straight away there 's this massive kind of barrier. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink you shouldn't you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. okay Do we know what this living water might be? Any ideas what 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 could Jesus be talking about Quantum the spirit okay let 's just check this out. If we go to John chapter seven. And the answer is in John chapter 7. I think you might be right there, Tim. Now, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Okay? If you're not sure what a certain passage means, try and refer to other instances of that word, and it'll probably explain it elsewhere in the Bible. Okay? So John chapter 7, and I've written it down somewhere. 37. Thanks, Tunji. Glad you're here. <laughs> On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus um, stood and said in, in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, li- uh, rivers of living water will flow out from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, who those who believed in him were later to receive. So it's the Holy Spirit that is the living water that um, Jesus is referring to that the Samaritan woman uh, clearly doesn't understand as yet now does anybody know um, oh, ok let's backtrack this um, Samaritan woman would have been a no no for um, Jesus to ever go near ok for loads of reasons she was um, a divorcee five times a woman, a Samaritan. So basically, there's like at least three really good reasons why an Orthodox Jewish rabbi would go nowhere near. Okay, so um, Jesus is someone who just goes beyond all the barriers, goes goes into the areas where we wouldn't expect him to, and it's um, a real kind of um, challenge to me personally. Do I get the spirit of like the Pharisee who won't go near people because they're not the same as me or they don't believe the same? You know. So for me, when I um, looked at this, it was a real kind of like reality check. If I'm a disciple, surely I'm meant to follow him the same way that he um, went after people. Uh, we have access all areas. Hi, hi, Pat. Welcome. Just talking about having access all areas today. Do you know anyone, or do you ever see anyone out out on the street, maybe a homeless person, who you would like to go up to, you'd like to go and talk to, but you just haven't got the bravery, or or maybe you want to, or or you're too busy, or is is there someone in your street who no one ever goes to, they avoid the house? Just have a little little think about, is there anyone who God is asking you to maybe go towards this, this coming week. You know, we sang the song, Lead Me to those um, around us in your love. Yeah? Now, given all the all the background and all the history and all the um, animosity between the two peoples, the Jews and the Samaritans, look at how um, Jesus went to this um, woman. First of all, she asked him for Something. Sorry, he asked her for something. And you'd think, well, how is that Jesus reaching out? Well, actually, Jesus was um, giving her um, a dignity, giving her um, a value, someone who had a place she could actually meet a need. Yeah? So that is one, one way that rather than us going to people with all the answers and all the solutions and um, all the Bible verses, sometimes it's um, a matter of actually, hey, um, can, you, can you lend me some sugar? Can you help me mow my lawn? And that way you invite people into your world. You invite people where they're at because they've got something to give. Everyone has got um, a God-given ability, even though it might be hidden. You know, it uh, might be um, buried under shame, under um, whatever. But Jesus was um, drawing out the gold in this lady who had been um, divorced five times. She had been rejected numerous times. She was like the bottom of the society. Yet Jesus went to her with love and giving her value and giving her um, dignity and also Jesus was the master wasn't he of using everyday examples to illustrate spiritual truths yeah so um, water do you know how long a human can survive uh, without water three or four days three or four days Um, probably less in such a desert such um, a climate Now, what does that say about our need for the Holy Spirit? How long can we survive without the Holy Spirit? Three or four (laughs) Rather you than me, (laughs) Cheekway. I think the picture is, the Holy Spirit is for all the time. It's not just for Sunday to Sunday. Imagine seven days without water. Yeah, imagine trying to last seven days without an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is what Jesus is kind of trying to get to, is that it's not just about physical water, literal water, it's about the Spirit coming out from in you, being, being deposited in the, uh, by the Holy Spirit, matching with your spirit, because you, you have a spirit that was made alive when you believed. And that spirit is constantly now a well. Okay, so we've got a picture right on cue. Thanks, wealth. No, no, leave it on there. What is living water? The Holy Spirit. And it's not just a well that you dip into now and again. You have to lose lots of effort, lots of, you know, ingenuity to get to. It's gushing out from within you. Rivers of living water coming out from within you by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the geezer, uh, I was trying to look for um, a word. Now, in the message, it says, um, it's an artisan spring, gushing fountains of endless life. That's in John 13 or 14 in the message. An, an artisan spring it is not a man-made spring, it's a natural spring that has got all the pressure building up and it needs like a little fissure in the rock and it just gushes up without any human interference. And that's the Holy Spirit Yeah, and uh, people in the Middle East often use those to get um, wells of more um, reliable water uh, under the pressure, and it comes up, and they can uh, use that water. Is, um, Is anyone thirsty for that kind of life? Yeah, who wants that kind of life, where where you've got the spirit constantly welling up within you? So that it overflows to those around you. So that you've got um, the water, the, the life, um, the spiritual gifts, the healings, the love for those around you. When you go to work and you've got someone sick in front of you, you've, you've just got the gift of faith. And you lay hands on them and they become well in the name of Jesus. And that is the living water that uh, we should um, enjoy every single day. Now, notice as well, uh, Jesus um, slowed down. So he could have just powered on through um, Samaria, avoiding all the religious um, enemies of uh, the Jews. But he slowed down, didn't he? And he surveyed the scene, he weighed up what the options were. He knew probably someone was going to come up to the well, because it was like a popular place to come. Not only was it a natural well, but it was um, like a bit of a shrine as well. So it was like a religious epicentre of the Samaritans. Um, Jacob's well. And they believed Jacob was like their spiritual father. And that was what uh, the woman says. Uh, Let's go back to the text, shall we? If we look at verse 11, when uh, Jesus is saying that I can give you um, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. Sir, the woman said... You have nothing to draw, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and also his sons and livestock? And then um, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this this water in the well will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks this water, I, I give them, will never thirst. It will become a spring of life. Now, at this point, Jesus has got her attention. It's not just some memory of this founding father, this ancestor from a 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. It's a living thing that he's offering, a vital um, component. Sir, give me this water, verse 15, so I won't get, get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. Okay. Then uh, Jesus says to her, verse 16, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Ouch, that must have really, really stung. The fact that Jesus called her out, um, you know, like a gift of um, knowledge, uh, the holy spirit was gushing out from within him wasn't it um, he was a man he um, he was god yet he came in appearance as a man he was fully so, fully 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 god and fully man and he had to operate under the anointing of the holy spirit the same as we do so he was operating in a gift of um, the word of knowledge there i believe But imagine yourself in the woman's shoes. How would you have felt when he suddenly exposed all of her secrets, all the skeletons in her closet? How would you have felt? Maybe someone's come up to you once and prayed like a word over you. It's like, oh, how did you know that? Probably you'd felt quite exposed, quite vulnerable. And I think her reaction in verse 19 is a bit um, of a defensive one. If you look at it, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are um, a prophet. Now, in the message, it sort of gives it like a bit of a different tone. Let me just read it out from the message. Uh, Verse 19. Oh, so you're a prophet? Well, tell me this. The ancestors worshipped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, right? Can we have the two temples pictures, please? Okay, so we're coming up to the next kind of question, where should I worship? So we've looked at uh, the, word, uh, the living water is the Holy Spirit. Now we've got these two temples, you probably can't see it so well, but on the left is the Samaritans, uh, Mount Gerizim, so they have a temple. And in uh, Jerusalem they have the temple that was knocked, um, demolished in 70 AD by the Romans both of these were like competing for where the true worship of God was but as um, Christians where should where should we worship what's that Sheba anywhere anywhere absolutely anywhere not just this building not just a cathedral not just Rome Anywhere, anywhere that we go, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? We are uh, the body of Christ. We can minister to him anywhere. We have access all areas to his Holy Spirit. You can go on a plane to uh, Timbuktu and you can still fellowship with the Holy Spirit just as much as you can here. Yeah? Let's have a look at uh, verse 21. Verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will will worship in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I'm going to uh, read out the message um, version of that, because I I think it's absolutely beautiful how it uh, renders it. Just um, close your eyes, please, and just let these words kind of minister to your heart as I'm reading them. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming, it has in fact come, when you are, when what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Lord, we just want to worship you out of our true selves. Lord, we don't want to try and hype anything up, Lord, or be anybody else. But you're looking for us to be ourselves before you, Lord, aren't you? Lord, it doesn't matter what the music's like, whether we like the song. Lord, it's about choosing to say that you are good. Choosing to say that you are worthy. Choosing to say that you are awesome. Choosing to say that we trust you. That we believe in you. Do you know that none of this is worship? None of these, none of these instruments are worship. People can sing um, all, all, all kinds of songs that are anti-Christ um, about you know using the same instruments it 's not the music that makes things a worship song it 's your heart it 's your spirit um, engaging with the spirit of God that makes it a worship song and um, yeah i just I just really really want to emphasize you know that every time that we come come together its it's such a beautiful thing you know it's such um such a valuable thing that, that we shouldn 't um, um, despise the day of small beginnings, even though there 's only you know thirty forty, fifty of us, <clears throat> God is going to multiply us God is going is to increase us in this city. Do you believe that? Do you believe that and these are the foundational days where we can grow together as a family, where we can have those uh, tight bonds. Um, the strong nets for the catch of fish that's going to come. Yeah? Can we go on to the next slide, please, about the harvest? The the, the, the pictures. The the next picture, uh, I think it's further down, I think you have to zoom out and then go down... That's it. So the next, um, oh, oh yeah, so basically, uh, Jesus um, tells her everything that she's ever done. And that becomes her life um, motto, that becomes her mantra. Jesus told me everything I've ever done. I wondered if you could ever think about narrowing down your testimony to just a sentence. What God has done specifically for you, not that He just died to the cross, uh, went to the cross to die that he raised you from the dead spiritually that he's given you the Holy Spirit is there something about your life that really expresses what he's done for you and for this uh, woman it was he told me everything I ever did and that probably also means that he forgave me everything that I ever did he restored everything that I ever did he undid all the wrongs that were done to me He loosened my chains. You know, there's some um, famous examples from the Bible. Um, Job said, this I know, my Redeemer lives. The man born blind said, well, I don't know about all that, but this thing I know, I was once blind, but now I see. So I'm going to give you that um, challenge to go away and try and formulate something that will sum up to people, you know, when you go about your daily work, when you when you uh, go to your office, where you're with your neighbours, is there something that's just like uh, um, a message? Do you know what? Your mess and the Messiah are a message. My mess and the Messiah is a message. If you think your life is a mess, then you're in a good place. We've got good news for you because Jesus, the Messiah, can make it into a message. Yeah? He takes the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He confounds the wisdom of this age. He um, parades us as um, an army with banners and saying, "This, these are the objects of my grace. These are the ones who I've restored. These are the ones who I have turned their lives around. And he shows us to the heavenly realms. Ephesians 3, verse 10, I think it says, Now through the church, the wisdom of God is displayed to the heavenly realms. And you are the church. We are the church. I am the church. And he shows us off to all those principalities, all those powers of darkness we saw a few months ago. Consider this man Job. He's righteous. He was saying that to... Um, to Satan. And he says the same to us. Consider um, Jan, consider Esther, Derek, Emma, consider their life, consider Tim. He is an example of my grace. Amen. Amen. And you know, this, this um, good news, it's um, too good to keep to ourselves, isn't it? When is it harvest? When is it harvest, guys? Now. Okay. Now we've just had harvest festival in our children's um, primary school. So it is literally harvest. But it is harvest. It's harvest time, isn't it? Yeah? Turn to your neighbor and say I believe it's harvest time. Okay. Again, in the message I'm going to go to, uh, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciple pressed him, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? Oh no, by the way, the woman had gone back to her town to tell everyone about Jesus, to pass this message on. Now the, now the disciples have just uh, turned up. He told them, I have food you know nothing about. Now do you know any, anybody that always has food? Always has like a snack, like an abundance of snacks like crisps or chocolates like, like an auntie who's always got this like Mary Poppins bag overflowing with crisps or yeah, Derek Derek's, Derek's, Derek's always got something so I'm going to be going to him later let me just see where I'm up to I'm trying to get the, the message version because it puts it really, really well where are we? Sorry, I'm slowing down. (laughs) Okay, the disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him this food? Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me. Um, the, The NIV should be on one of the slides about the harvest time wealth, but that's it. If you can follow up there if you want to. And it's finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look around at what's in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his time, gathering in his grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester triumphant. That's the truth of the saying, this one sows what the other one harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without you lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. Notice he says the Samaritan fields are white unto harvest. Even those fields that are completely off of our comfort zone. Even those areas, those opportunities—even it might be um, a nightclub, it might be the gay village, it might be wherever you think is completely out of your off off of off of your limits—you have access all areas. You have access all areas. Tell your person next to you, you have access all areas. Okay. It's not just me telling you that. It's Jesus. He said, "Go into all the world." and make disciples, go into Judea, go into Samaria, go into the ends of the earth. Now we've got um, a diagram, please, Wolf. Okay, again, you might not be able to see this. Uh, I can probably email it out um, if you can't see it very well. Basically, the one on the left is the social hierarchy of the Jewish people. And you've got the priest, the Levite, and it goes out uh, the uh, Joseph Jew then, then it goes to like the margins then goes to the tax collectors or the outcasts or the sinners even more outcasts than those are the Samaritans even further outcasts that they could never even go anywhere near the temple are the Gentiles us <laughs> so under that that covenant, that system we should never hear God's good news. We would never. We, we would be foreigners and aliens, aliens to that covenant, as we used to be. We were foreigners and aliens. But Jesus tore down that veil. He tore down the enmity between Jew and Gentile, thus making it one. That's in Ephesians. And look at what happens when Jesus um, gave the great commission in Luke. Uh, sorry, in um, Acts one eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit welling up within you, this fountain. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So he's basically saying, go to those places where under the law you wouldn't be able to. I've got a higher law. I've got a higher love as um, um, Sunji said earlier on in the week, in in the message about love, love is a higher law. It's the greatest commandment, isn't it? To love the Lord your God, to love yourself, and to love love your neighbour as yourself. Go to your immediate area. Where do you? Where is your um, Jerusalem? It might be your family, it, it, it might be your kids, it might be your spouse, it, it might be um, your next door neighbour, your vicinity. Go there. Go to Judea. It might be where you go every single day. It might be work, it might be school, it might be uh, the playground, uh, taking the kids to school. Go to Samaria. Now that's the really challenging bit, isn't it? Like I said, think about, let the Holy Spirit... Um, guide you this week as we sung where is the Holy Spirit leading you to somewhere that's outside of your comfort zone Okay, using wisdom at the same time but love and to the ends of the earth and that might be anywhere, literally anywhere it might be a foreign country but it could equally be this, this area as well you see God always works within um, human culture to expand our thinking, to break down the barriers, the mindsets that, that we have. You know, God just didn't come and suddenly um, angels converted everyone. No, He was going to use the church, He was going to use you and me, He was going to use um, broken people to, to relate to broken people. You know, your weakness, your mess, my mess, my, my weakness makes us relatable to people. I think that's what people want to see in the world. Um, authenticity, isn't it? That we're real, that we say, yeah, we haven't got it all together, yet we know the one who's, 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 who's going to make us get it all together, who's going to fix us, who is fixing us. Let's go back to the harvest picture, please wealth so yeah so it's harvest time Okay, Um, I just wanted to pick up on that passage when Jesus talks about uh, you are going to reap what others have um, worked for so we went into um, Swinton Square for how many months? about five or six months yeah, Sowing the gospel through songs, through prayers, through conversations, through love, through giving out leaflets, inviting people to different things. Those are seeds that we believe are going to um, produce fruit. Yeah. So I'd like to encourage us, still keep on um, praying for those conversations. Don't just let them fall to the ground. Now God is going to give the increase. You know, one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. Yeah? And did, did you know that um, 19 years ago, just over the road in the Swinton Valley estate, there was um, a team of um, young um, Christians from all over the country came and did a social action project as part of the Message um, 2000 um, ministry and it was basically to redo the playground, tidy up the area, redo um, a youth centre. And there was no crime for three months after that. There was no crime in one of the most deprived areas of um, the area for three months because of the church. The church went in there, showed showed love, showed, showed the gospel, and there was no crime there. And it made like national news. It was all over the newspapers. Uh, in the year 2000 and that's the legacy that we have here we're right on the doorstep of that mission and i'm i'm sure the people who used to worship here you know we saw it in the handover didn't we it was packed it was like 200 people crammed in here singing at the top of their voices worshiping we had the organ going we had a full choir it was like standing room only that's the legacy that we have even in this place where, where we sat right, right now that others have worked others have prayed, others have worshipped others have sown and it's time to harvest isn't it it's time to reap but it's not through might it's not through power uh, n- not through power but by my spirit and it comes down to us having that daily encounter with the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? The the living water rises up, bubbles up, gurgles up, gushes over, 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 over unto eternal life. If we look at um, Acts 8, verse 4 to 8. Acts 8, verse 4 to 8. So we see the church uh, being persecuted in Jerusalem and then they're scattered all over the Near East, the Middle East. And Philip, one of the disciples, goes to uh, Samaria once again. So we see that there's a legacy that the early church are building on just off the back of that one conversation that Jesus had with that Samaritan woman. He's, um, there's an, um, an inheritance, um, a legacy, that they are starting to build on as they go into all the world acts 8 verse 4 to 8 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went philip went down to a city in samaria maybe the same one we don't know and proclaimed the messiah there and they said of him didn't they surely jesus is the savior of the world that was their verdict having heard him for them for themselves when he went down there in in uh, in john's gospel when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, notice he performed, not just Jesus when it was Jesus' uh, time on earth, the power of the Holy Spirit was upon Philip. They paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So we can see the legacy, we can, we, we can see the ripple effect of the gospel being taken to somewhere that was um, very uncomfortable for those early Jewish disciples so again I lay down the challenge to you, think about a place or even a person that you find difficult in the natural to go to and just wait on the Holy Spirit now Uh, I'm going to just get on the keyboard and Uh, play just ask the Holy Spirit who am I going to be sent to this week or where am I going to be sent to this week to show the love of Jesus